cigars all around Cheers, y'all Well, 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 well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. How are you, my friends? We are uh, here for show number 277, and we are at the fine establishment known uh, across the world as the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. This place is fun. It really is. We're out on the back deck, even though it is a little overcast today. It's still just so awesome to be back here by the water, and the proprietor of said establishment was actually my co-host last week, uh, because Ian was out of town, so welcome back again. And I don't think your nemesis, Chris Hart, has ever been on two consecutive episodes. Now he's, gonna, now he's going to now he's going to be pushing for that. You're just racking up the now, accolades and now. now. You are. <laughs> so, uh, Alan, thanks for letting us hang at your place. Man, I love having you it, on. It looks great here. It is, uh, it you know, of course, lots of people live in Galveston, but a lot of people who live in Houston come down here for a day or two from time to time, stay down here on the water, get something to eat, and hopefully you swing by here and have a cigar with Alan and his staff because they are. You know, some of the nicer people in Galveston. Yeah, if you're headed to the beach, you are right on the way, just a couple yeah, blocks. It's perfect. You just, if, just, if you're coming here, if you're coming to, you know, Moody, if you're going down to the the uh, seawall, the beach, you got to pass right by. Absolutely. Pass right by. And, of course, we bring uh, back to the program a gentleman who is no stranger, and he arrived bearing gifts. And, Always. boy, are these gifts wonderfully tasty. Welcome back, Trenton Smith from Thank Oliva you. Cigars. Trenton, Thank how, you how have you been since we last spoke? Good. Yeah. Everything's starting to get back to a little bit of normal now. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, did a fifth grade trip with my daughter to Washington, D.C. to see all the craziness there. And uh, how that was, was that? Fun. It, you know, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, a bunch of fifth graders, I was kind of expecting the worst, but uh, <laughs> that was good. The museums but, are amazing there. They really they are. They really are. It's, it's a beautiful place to go and visit. I lived there for several years, and I will say this until the day I die. It's a wonderful place to go and visit. <laughs> Oh, wonderful uh, place to visit. Yeah. In fact, that's uh, that's where Adam and his wife are off to when they leave yep. us. They are moving to D.C. So oh, wow. I'll have lots of excuses to go and visit. It'll be fun. Uh, Adam and I can maybe do do the show from like some pubs down uh, down in the uh, cool artsy district down there. That'll be that'll be that'll be a blast. So, uh, well, Trenton, welcome back. Now, uh, Trenton has a great history on the program because cool stuff always happens when he's on. Uh-oh. Uh, for example. You know, one of the coolest things that always happens when he's on is he always hands me one of my absolute favorite cigars in existence. Yeah, and uh, tell me about it. How's it smoking there, buddy? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, last time it was 135th, so that was a pretty big, right. well, a pretty hard act at, to follow. And that's what I was going to mention is the 135th, we had you on, not the last time you were on, but a couple of times ago, and one of the things we wanted to talk about is that, you know, a lot of cigar lines release a new addition to the line, you know, every, some of them every few months. I think Rocky puts out a cigar a day, if I'm not mistaken. Right. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, you know, not knocking them. They're good cigars. The Gurkha has like three or four new lines every week. Yeah, right? it, but but one of the things I was saying is, Oliva, you guys are very, like, solid and consistent. It's really a big deal when you release something new. And on the show that day, you got the word that you were, in fact, releasing something new. And it was the 135th anniversary yep. uh, cigar 
which you then brought us the next time we saw you. That was so and fine. And man, that so is a monster. Before, now, be, before they even hit the hit the street. Yes, I know. We felt we felt very privileged. We were able to smoke them and pass along the word to people who watch and listen to the show. When these come to your cigar store, you better grab them because it was a limited yeah. release. Now the news is you guys have decided to make it slightly less limited. You're doing more. Tell us yeah, about that. Yeah, you know, it, it was so popular, and we sold so many of them pre-sale <clears throat> that they're gone. So, I mean, if you can find them in the shops, good luck. But uh, so we decided to put a very limited supply out. Orders are being taken now. The al allocations are being put in. So they're going to ship later this month. And that's a very small supply. And then we will take orders again at the PCA ah. for orders to be released. And that's going to be the big one this year. And that'll be shipping in October or November. So is there any chance this could become a regular addition to your line? Or if not that, something that you would do kind of like the beers do with the seasonal, that it could come back around every so I often sure hope for so. a limited release? I sure hope so. I mean, yeah. the success was just phenomenal. And we'll just see how... I mean, it was meant to be a one-time thing, and it was so successful that we're bringing it back this soon. That particular shape, though, is such an engaging shape. Oh, it is, isn't it? Like, it's it's such a fun shape for that well, blend. And it's, it's so such good. a conversation starter to talk about the different shapes and sizes of a cigar right. and how it relates to the flavor of a cigar. Not to mention... Even I, the seagulls are pretty damned excited they about are. it. <laughs> I mean, they just they start going crazy. They were, they, were not, I, uh, uh, they were not being this vocal. Though. All of a sudden, it's like the birds, about, It right? might have something to do with that chum over there. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but uh, that's no way to talk I've about already, that I've already <laughs> blown through two boxes of those cigars. And they're, yeah. They're just... So I have the one, box itself, have the presentation. one left in my humidor. Uh, the one, box. Will you open box, the box? One cigar. Uh, you got two boxes? Yeah. Good grief. <laughs> but uh, but I got por a, a portion of one of the boxes. So. so what it ends up being is I split a box with him. Sort of. I just I gave him as a Christmas present, I think it was, mm -hmm. the other half of the box. Of the and, box then, yeah. uh, and then another buddy of mine saw me smoking one, and I split a box with him. So, so well, well, you still have that box left. Maybe I'll make the, uh, the uh, smoking and toasting cigar... Box oh, oh, the, uh, guitar the out of guitar, that. Yeah, that would be no, no, it's cool. pretty thin. Now we're here, of course, at, with that. at you know our our absolute favorite cigar shop at the uh, Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. Alan, you're going to be ordering some of these babies. Already, already, already done. Okay. Uh, so next question is. We're going to talk we, after the show. Yeah. Can we have a little conversation <laughs> after the show? <laughs> they are that good, though. And I'm telling yeah. you, if you go into your favorite cigar store and you find them on the shelf. This is not a, well, maybe I'll get one of those next time I come back thing. They won't be there. Yeah, they won't be there. You so know that, grab, grab what you can, you know, whatever you, they'll you, let you buy. You've watched, uh, 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 what's the Tarantino movie? Mm. Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction. You know, every time he opens up that that uh, briefcase? Yeah. That's what it feels like when you open up that box <laughs> of cigars. <laughs> uh, by the way, just to, just to give you a little advance foreshadowing, that will not be the only Tarantino reference on the program. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. Teaser. So, so, yeah, a little teaser. Speaking of things to tease, let's talk about what's coming up on the program today. We got Alan Denny, we got Trenton Smith, and we're going to be doing some, uh, some sampling uh, from Klaus Brewing Company, one of the newer breweries here in the I love Klaus. Houston area. Uh, we'll be trying their one Hellas of a Lager. It's their Munich style uh, lager. So, be looking forward to that. I have a feeling you've already tried one. But I'm sure you won't mind I think having so. some more. All right, we'll get to that. That'll be uh, that'll be exciting. One of the better IPAs we've had on the show recently 
was from the main beer company. Do you remember? It was in a bottle, but it wasn't a big bomber size. It was a, like a smaller uh, uh, bottle, but it was bigger than a 12-ounce. It was like a 16-ounce yeah. bottle. Uh, well, today we'll be trying their Mo Pale Ale. Mo, just like M-O. So I suppose <laughs> oh, it's like Mo Pale Ale. Right. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Those guys always make great beers. And then from Gigantic Brewing Company, their most premium. We've had quite a few from them. Yep. Uh, this is their Russian Imperial Stout 2021. We've actually had this on the show before, but it was aged, I believe, in wine barrels. Uh, this is aged in bourbon barrels. So we'll be looking forward to seeing what that is like. And it's a nice big bottle which just says gigantic. And I like how it says, uh, how it says most premium, which just sounds very Russian. Most yeah. premium. Most premium. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. And then from Jalisco, Mexico, the 818 Tequila Añejo will be what we'll be trying today. Plus, uh, now, I have to tell you, the show that you missed last week when you were out of town, not only did we try some, uh, you know, some whiskey that was pretty good, but Alan brought in some cognac that was out of this world. <laughs> and you're going to have to bug him to get a taste if he's got... I don't have it here, unfortunately. That's at the house. <laughs> I know where you live. Yeah, but uh, but seriously, it was the Gregarious Grump 30-year uh, cognac, and it was it was in rarefied air. It was that did you good. Speaking of cognac, did you see the uh, April Fool's that uh, Doc's put up with the... Uh, no, I didn't. Cognac. Cognac. Oh, no. <laughs> now they're making... They, they, they decided they were making cognac out of corn and calling it cognac. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a very Docs-ish April Fool's joke, isn't it? At least yeah. I think it's an April yeah. Fool's. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have something here very special well, for us to try. It's hidden oh. in the kitchen, and when we take our first break, I'll go grab it right. and bring it out. He always leads with the good stuff. That's the way he does it. That's the way he rolls. The truth. Drinking uh, news coming up on the program, and we're excited to give you your Drinking news teaser headline. I had to do the teaser headline without teaser headline music last week because we didn't have you in. Somehow that's just better when you've got the cigar in your mouth. <laughs> Our drinking news teaser headline for today, no matter how drunk you get, there are some things you should never eat. So we'll look forward to that on the program. Plus, uh, as we said, Olive is making more of the Siri V 135 anniversary. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, a, an American brewery and a brewery from Ukraine that are launching an open source collaboration to benefit the humanitarian efforts in Ukraine. Uh, and we'll get to a list of the most popular style of craft beer in your city. So it's not necessarily the most popular brand. But what's, what's selling popular in the cities. style, yeah. That's so that'll, that'll be interesting to see. And then Whistlepig is doing so. I, I can't even tell you what it is because it'll just give the whole thing away. But Whistlepig's doing something crazy, and they're doing it with Big Poppy, the uh, uh, former uh, Boston Red Sox baseball. Ah. So, and you know he has cigars. Yeah, yeah, we had one on the cigars. show. We actually talked to um, who was making that cigar. We actually talked to them on the. Uh, we did a, a call in. That's right. I early on, that. I don't. It, I, uh, now I don't remember who it was. That's uh, Dominican Big Leaguer. Yeah, Dominican Big Ortez, Leaguer. Uh, yeah. Is that? It was, uh, that was it. I can't remember what the cigar. owner's name is. It was not a bad cigar. Well, now he's getting involved in uh, whiskey, and he's doing it with Whistle Pig, but it's a very different twist than your typical celebrity 
uh, beverage uh, endorsement type thing. So we'll tell you all about that as the program uh, continues. Ian, um, uh, missed you last week. Um, it's nice to have you back. Uh, anything to report from your adventures? Oh, well, so my sister got married in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, mm -hmm. So a nice gentleman. We had a... Uh, we had the bachelor party at a place downtown in Round Rock uh, that was... Round Rock has a downtown? Yeah, and <laughs> actually you can tell you're in the Round Rock downtown because you come over this little bridge and there's a big sign that says downtown. downtown. Yes. <laughs> it's good to know. And then downtown is about four blocks long. Mm -hmm. And then you're out of downtown. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so uh, so yeah, we went to this... Whiskey, I can't remember the name of the bar off the top of my head, but uh, we went to this uh, bar that had uh, sold cigars and... We got sitting out there chatting, and had a great time at that, and then uh, and then my brother pointed out as we were wrapping it up at about midnight that we have a bottle of whiskey back at the hotel. So me and my brothers went back to the hotel and dragged some chairs right outside the the. Imagine the back of the you hotel and your brothers actually had a bottle of whiskey and told lies for the next few hours <laughs> That's until good. we, we had very little left in that bottle of whiskey. <laughs> That's how it works. So that right? was a lot of fun. I caught up with a lot of uh, uh, friends cousins uh tons of cousins there brothers and sisters i hadn't seen in ages just lots of family met a lot of the um uh grooms family they were a lot of fun uh, and then uh for the for the beer i went and got the true anomaly scout mm. and i got a keg of the uh, uh, uh springbok from saint arnold oh nice yeah both kegs floated right towards the end of the reception so it was like good. perfect amount of beer good good that's that's good whenever uh, you're involved i still remember your wedding and I, I i didn't know you very well at that point my wife had known you for years and we went to the wedding and uh, i'd only just recently met you but i still remember standing there at the uh, reception and saying to my wife this is the best beer I've ever had at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> the reception and the wedding were a little hard to separate at my wedding. Because mm -hmm. it was like, you come in, you get yourself a beer, and then you're kind of in a wedding. And then which, you get another beer. And then you get another beer <laughs> while we're getting married. And then you got another beer as soon as you were done. Well, you guys had beer, we had beer in, in the, the wedding, ceremony. Yes. Yeah, so I thought that was just absolutely I mean, that's how awesome. it should be, right? Well, Isn't that, was it? The, that was the party. Yeah. yeah what is so, the, yeah, we had fun. What but is we that had, wedding tradition where... They step on the glass. It's like, don't step on that. Just pass it around. Puzzle time. Yeah. We, exactly. we had a uh, we had a couple kegs of uh, Goliad, and uh, I had talked to um, uh, Mark. Uh, oh, your, your buddy Mark was at Goliad yes, Brewing at the time. Was working right? at uh, Goliad for Mark Nichols was working at Goliad at the time. He goes, I got you covered, man. No problem. Because I said I needed some beer for the wedding. So I got you covered. The only the only caveat is you're gonna have to go get it. So. Uh, the day before the wedding, uh, me and my brother, he was in town, and my nephew, we drove all out to uh, Goliad, and uh, I got there, and I said, hey, pick up this beer. Mark said, uh, just come pick it up. And they roll it out, and they stick it in the back of my truck, and I'm like, okay, so uh, we need to square up on this. They go, no, it's taken care of. Wow. <laughs> So yeah, I think Goliath is, is Mark, sponsored my. Is Mark no longer sponsored your wedding. No, he uh, he was working for a while at. Um, well, where did he go after Goliath? He was at. I knew him way back. He went back. to another brewery, and then and then after that, he started doing the deal where he works. Yeah, with and now now bars he, like now he fits lines. bars with lines and does uh, line okay. cleaning and stuff like that. He's got his own company. Called I knew Quality him way Draft. back in the day. A friend of mine owned the distributorship uh, Duff Beer. And he went yeah, to Goliad after that. Yeah, right, right. So that, I, that was a while I ago. I will say that your friend Mark has been responsible for 
one of the most interesting and one of the least interesting segments on this program. Uh, <laughs> the, most, world. the most interesting was once when he was on and Ian and I were discussing something I don't remember, but he apparently got bored. And so in the background behind us, he just opens and shotguns a beer, just like right, right behind <laughs> us. Was, was, that was the most interesting. And then the least interesting had to be on our 200th episode, or our 100th episode, 100th I'm sorry. When he got a conversation hour, with Jeremiah. Yeah, him and Jeremiah Butler uh, got into a protracted conversation about delivery lines for uh, beer and for cocktails. craft cocktails. Yeah, yeah, yeah at craft your, cocktails. At your establishment. Draft cocktails. And I remember, by that time, we'd all had enough to drink, so we were all content to sit back and listen to them. But uh, We uh, had but, enough to drink? Uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Alan looks very confused right now. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, we'd had enough that it seemed interesting at the time. Going back and listening to it when you haven't been drinking oh, for three it's hours. Oh, it's a babble fest. Yeah, it's a little tough. It's a little tough. But, so uh, so something funny happened at your sister's wedding. You, you may have not seen it or may not have, but... Your lovely wife posted a picture of got my hair done or something. And several people went on the post and said, oh, gorgeous, you look beautiful. And I put something on there like, Tiffany, you look stunning or something like that. And somebody came back and goes, Alan Denny, one of the guys nobody cares about. Uh, <laughs> on her uh, feed. That's great. That's beautiful. Can't get some away things, from it. Some things just live on, don't they? You know? <laughs> it's, it's just the way it is. Well, uh, we are going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to let the tasting start. Uh, we're going to start with uh, tasting this uh, Munich-style lager uh, called One Hellas of a Lager from Klaus Brewing Company. And I think Alan promised to break out the good stuff right here in the early segment of the show. So. Oh, you got the... Oh, I was going to start mentioning companies, but I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, all right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, so we'll take a break. We'll be right back live from the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge, Galveston, Texas. This is Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting. We are on show number 277. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Those are good things. They are good things. So, Whistle Pig has been known to make a fine spirit or two. They've also been known to be uh, quite innovative. And when Dave Pickerel was at uh, Whistle Pig, of course, the innovation was very much in the distilling side. I mean, he truly embodied the phrase master distiller. He was one of the most exuberant people I think we've ever had on this show. He was, he was, he was fantastic. So and, excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I man, I love Dave. I'm, I miss him sincerely. But after he passed, um, we realized, I think, how incredibly lucky we were to have had a chance to sit with him and, and, and talk whiskey. But Whistle Pig continues on. Uh, they are uh, still doing innovative things, and the latest innovative thing that they are trying to do is they've teamed up with David Ortiz, known in the baseball world as Big Poppy. He's, uh, by the way, he's one of the most interesting color commentators. If you ever watch like the World Series or the baseball playoffs and they've got the, uh, you know, the group of four guys that come hurt. in. Oh my God, he is hilarious. He's just, he's, uh, he just, one of those guys that's going to say whatever he's going to yep. say and that's, uh, that's a pretty enjoyable thing. But he's also apparently a fan of not only cigars, but also of whiskey, because he's teamed up with Whistlepig for a brand new uh, for a brand new whiskey just in time for the return of Major League Baseball. There was a three-week lockout, but it's back. 
And if you're looking for a spirit to toast to the fact that the season's actually happening, Whistlepig's new and unique product is uh, something that should intrigue whiskey lovers and baseball fans. We've seen this done before with beer, apparently, although I don't know about it. But Whistlepig says this new whiskey will be the first of its kind. It is aged on Big Poppy's baseball bats. Pine tar or not? If you can believe that, yeah. Say what? Using wood from his signature bats. The resulting Whistle Piggyback Legend series, Big Poppy, is billed as the first of three iterations of a new single barrel Legend series that's being restored in a partnership with Barstool Sports. The Big Poppy edition, it's 100% rye, aged for six years in American oak before being finished for six weeks in barrels that contain Ortiz's toasted DO34 maple wood bats. Oh, they're maple bats. Then bottled at 96.56. I uh, thought ash was the predominant wood for bats. You know, I'm not as uh, I'm not as up on my baseball bat uh, wood uh, as you, but you, see, you work with wood, so you know a lot about well, that. Yeah, but that, I don't know a whole <coughs> lot about like the construction of a bat, but I thought they were turned generally from ash, but it makes sense that you'd have different woods for different... Um, different that's feel, an expensive bat if it's yeah. made out of out of maple. full maple uh, yeah. high quality maple high quality ash they're using a straight grain maple so it's not going to be a really expensive maple but i'm sure it's a high-end version of that um the highly figured maple is usually a more expensive one but that's not what you'd want to use for a bat because that's configured so- that's considered soft maple versus hard maple well, it's very interesting megan ireland of, uh, of whistle pig says if you ask anybody at the distillery They'll tell you my signature quote is, I'll put anything in a barrel once. <laughs> so, so this Can't must have it. worked. Are these used bats? Is there like some, some oh, big poppy sweat in the handle? It can't be. Well, they're yeah. charred. Well, that's true. Yeah, it so could the, be. Because the they are charred. Burned off of them. Yeah, that, that may be. Or they know. could have sliced them up and used the insides of the bat, you know, take the cork out and. Uh, Take the cork out. <laughs> Let's hope so. Take the cork out and put it with the end. <laughs> yeah. that's, what they seal, so. that's what they seal the bottles with. Anyway, looking uh, looking forward to trying some of the... Uh, yeah, I mean, are you really? Just for the novelty of it, sure. Oh, sure, I was hoping you'd buy hey, a man, bottle. And we, had a, we had a Deftones collaboration beer. Oh, it was fantastic. one of the best IPAs we've had on the show. It was really There's just no fantastic. such thing as a good IPA. And by the way, I <laughs> yeah, saw except that. One. It's absolutely I brilliant. I saw that uh, at Specs this week. So if you're looking for it, it's there. Man, uh, I want to tell you, freaking Klaus. Yeah, they nailed it with this Klaus one, Klaus is such an awesome brewery. It's all German. They said their they're, they're the header on there is German-style beer made here. The uh, seagulls are pretty excited about this lager. Yeah, the seagulls well. like that. Mm. It's called One Hells of a Lager. I love that Munich-style Hells Lager at 5.4%. percent mm. mm. At Klaus Brewing Company, our goal is to bring German beer culture to you. We only use top quality German malts, hops, and yeast, along with all natural brewing and lagering process to give you the most authentic tasting brews possible. No shortcuts are taken. No quality is sacrificed. Enjoy your sip of Germany. Prost. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, this honestly, this is the beer that the brewmasters at Budweiser and Miller and Coors should taste and then just be extremely ashamed of themselves. I want to tell you, this can is so beautifully, generically German-looking. Yeah, it really is. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's perfect. Yeah, uh, it really... And all of their cans have that kind of design to them as well. They have a, yeah. a Hefeweizen and some other uh, 
some other beers, but uh, I don't believe they even make an IPA. They're staying very much in no, the German no, beer they're, they're, they're the uh, only, style. They're the only uh, uh, brewery you walk into that you can't buy an IPA. Was ham, I like what was the more. yellow can in like the 80s? Was that hams? Hams, or? yeah. That, that's what that reminds me of. <laughs> well, it sure is a <laughs> like better beer than hams. Better than hams, yeah. Oh, does it get better than hams? I mean, Klaus beer, <laughs> we're better than hams. But seriously, the guys that make the uh, lager, like, like Miller Lite, they... They should taste this and be ashamed. You'd think. You would think. But yeah. that, that that Budweiser is the most beer of all beers. That's why it's Bud Budweiser. That's why it's Budweisery. But yeah. I, I don't know if you can mass produce and get that flavor. I don't know. I don't know if you can. It's a very interesting question. All right, like, listen. Is there a drop off at a certain point? Listen. Okay. You've got Budweiser. You've got Miller Lite. You've got all those macro brews out there, right? Right. They're mass producing. They spent so much time and energy figuring out the industry so they can mass produce a beer. That is, in a, in some cases, so unoffensive as to not even have flavor. Mm -hmm. If they could figure that out, we could figure out how to mass produce something flavorful. <laughs> I mean, Twinkies, for God's sakes, have flavor. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Right, and they will outlast us all. So, uh, so no, you're you're 100 right about that. And and we've talked before about uh, about that uh, that movie that's on Amazon uh, that's. That's the uh, How do documentary you make the most Budweiser of, the, Budweiser. Yeah, of the contest between Budweiser master brewers around the world, all competing to make the most Budweisery Budweiser they can make. That's so uh, awkward to yeah, me. It really is. It's a fun documentary to watch, though. Although you will yell at the TV if your if your wife doesn't like you yelling at the TV, don't watch it when she's around because because you will be yelling at the TV. I mean, that's like I don't even know what to say. It's like like in the music world, let's let's say for instance, who can like who could play the most Joe Satriani style lick, including Joe Satriani? Like yeah, like we we have Joe. Why do we need? <laughs> why do we need the like, Joe too? Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right. You got to have a little bit of originality to you, and just try to make the best. Don't try to make the most something of something. Just try to make the best I, that you can. Make. I say that because he's on my mind because uh, he's coming to town soon. Trenton, let me ask you about that. Wait, now, it, now I'm hungry for Twinkies. <laughs> let me ask you about this, though, when it comes to cigars. My plan is coming um, together. Is, is there a limit? Let's not talk about the 135, because obviously that's a special thing. But say, take a cigar like this wonderful one that we're smoking now, the Serie V Melania Maduro. Is, is, there's got to be a limit to how many of those you guys can produce and keep the quality where it is. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, it just so depends on the forecasting, uh, the weather. Uh, just how good how, the tobacco crops yeah, are. How good the crops are. Um, I mean, there's so many factors that go into that. It's unlimited as long as you have the tobacco. Mm -hmm. And getting the right tobacco, getting it all fermented, getting it cured, getting it aged, and then I mean, putting it all together, that's a whole nother thing because year to year, the taste change. So for something like the 135, that's probably made with a more limited uh, uh, crop of tobacco just to begin with? No. It's, no. It's the same as the I'm regular V. Totally surprised. That's why it's so incredible to wow. smoke with people that don't really take into consideration different shapes, shape creating different flavors. Huge right. No, it, it, it is. As as wonderful as this cigar is, that one has a different flavor to it. But then again, you smoke the Melania, or you smoke the uh, Lancero, and that totally tastes That's different, a than, different right. than a double right. Toro. Which is one of the things that I'm still most amazed about when I think about cigar blenders, is 
you put this cigar together and it works and the blend is just magical and it's wonderful. And then there's next year's production where even if you're using the same leaf grown in the same valley, grown in the same field, the weather conditions, the soil conditions are going to be a little bit different. So to blend again for this exact flavor, I mean, it really, that's where it becomes less science and a little more art. I think. Oh, absolutely. You know? It's total art because every, every crop, they have to redo it and come up with different recipes, different proportions of tobacco. Can you imagine being a chef and your signature, the sauce in your signature dish, the basic thing that it's made of changes in Constantly. flavor from well, year to year? It yeah. has to, like in general, because you can't get the exact same. If you're going to buy a fresh produce, like, there's always going to be some variations in how it well, came out true. from year to year. So chefs do that all the time. That's why I'm amazed by, like, especially high-end chefs and blenders and uh, and the, the, the distillers uh, who, who come out with that same profile mm -hmm. for their, their whiskey every single year, come out with that same profile for the cigar every single year. And doing it with a variable ingredients is, is just an incredible Speaking of whiskey profile, talent, I think. This is the bottle that Alan brought out, a private barrel. release barrel whiskey. Alan, what's going on here? <clears throat> so uh, we talked about on the last show last week, uh, I mentioned Economy Liquor West End, one of the uh, liquor stores down here on Galveston Island. And Travis, who's the owner over there, he came to me several times uh, over the end of last year and wanted to do a private barrel pick he wanted to get into bourbon he's a big bourbon guy and he'd seen hbs and seen the picks and he had the opportunity to do a barrel pick so he asked me to help him set it up and i said we can do this so uh, we contacted anna uh, who is the uh, barrel rep for the texas area um, and anna said well we've got a bunch of stuff and i said i told travis i said look for the first one let's I'm going to get you a group of guys that have some really, really good palates. So myself, Dustin Oliver, uh, Travis, of course, and then we got Wade Woodard and Alan Richards, uh, two of the four horsemen. You, you, you barrel got, picks a lot. You got Wade Woodard to, to stop talking long enough. To do a barrel whiskey. pick, yeah, and so barrel brought out. Wade likes more than whiskey is talking about. Whiskey. Yeah, that, that that is a fact. And so we met over at the, uh, we all met over at the Vinyl Draft Social Club, and she brought out seven picks. There's, a, there's one back there. I've got one for Adam over there and one for you. Yeah. A little one right for me. And so she brought out these seven picks, and one of them was a whiskey that had been barreled in ice wine casks. Ooh, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, movie. and so Glenn Fittick does one um, that is fantastic and so we were all thinking that it's their winter storm and it's amazing yeah and so we were all like all right that ice wine we were all looking forward to it and we drank it and it was like yeah no this is not not, not so really, much not not really great and so we all went through and there was uh there was a rum cask finish there was the ice wine finish there was uh this one there was a couple of different seven to in total and this one and was uh, finished in a ruby port ruby barrel. port and so it's got a sweetness on it that is fantastic. It's, it's got such a gentle nose to it. 
and and a sweetness to the nose and a little oakiness to the nose, like right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, it, it it's really really great. So um, it was released in uh, late February, early March, and then or it, it got released to Travis in late February, early March, and then we did an event here. I can't remember what day, but it was like the first week of March. We did uh, an event here for to release the barrel, and so we uh, we had barrel bourbon here. Uh, Will uh, came in, one of the owners of, of uh, Barrel Craft Spirits came in, and it was a humongous success. This is I'm going to tell you salted caramel mm-hmm. with a kiss of chocolate on the back end of yes, it. Yes, and a nice little punch at the end, too. This definitely packs a little bit of heat. We're talking about, uh, we are talking about 120.22 proof. Wow. It's barrel, so they're always big. 60% yeah. alcohol by volume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can well, you can feel that, but it does not obscure the really pretty delicate balance of flavors. Sometimes you get something that packs that kind of a punch. It just uh, it just kind of overrides everything. You know, it doesn't drink super hot as compared to what it is. Very Um, smooth at that proof. Don't say don't say smooth. (laughs) (laughs) That's where Wade gets. Yeah, that's (laughs) Wade. No, it it is. Am I missing some etiquette here? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. About okay, later. I missed that class. I'll tell you. I'll tell you about it off uh, <laughs> yeah. off camera. Here on uh, smoking and toasting, we've we've taken to just saying smooth. That's yeah, if you're going to use it, you have to like you have to smooth. say smooth and be a like little tongue in cheek about it. Smooth jazz. <laughs> well, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did say smooth. Okay, gotcha. But uh, it is it is absolutely fantastic. Um, mm. It ranks up there. I enjoy it more than Dovetail. Wonderful. Um, and Dovetail is. Dove, Dovetail's pretty mighty. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and their seagrass is uh, it got number two on one of the big uh, whiskey um, number two whiskey of the year on I can't think of the guy's name, but he does the big whiskey reviews out of San Francisco, and his is his is the one that everybody wants to be on. Seagrass got number two, so we had a fantastic time picking that, and there are still some bottles left uh, out of economy liquor so if you want to try just it. it's about the only to ask could people find this at uh, economy liquor yeah West that's in yeah galveston. economy liquor so there's two economies here in galveston one way down on the east side and then economy liquor on the west end uh, so, they, so when you come into galveston you come up 61st like you're headed to seawall you stop here and have a cigar and then you finish going up to the seawall and you take a take right. right there you go when you hit the liquor store, you should be good. Yeah, and he is he is doing a lot with uh, with whiskey. Now, here's the cool thing about his store. He's totally rebuilding that store. 100%. And, and, it's, uh, and its whole uh, uh, inventory and everything. Yeah, so he's, he's done two things out at that store. One, he is getting great wines in there. The, the previous owner, TJ, had a great wine selection, but he's doing a lot with wine. The building is in an old bank. So the vault is still there, and that's the wine room. He built it into the vault. It's really cool. The wine vault. But one of the things that I love that he does is, you know, so many people, if they get Blanton's or Old Weller Antique or some of the more allocated uh, bourbons and whiskeys, they either jack the price up or they group them like you've got to buy this to get this with it. If they aren't jacking the price up, what he does is when he gets it in, he gets three, four, five, six bottles of whatever it is. He puts it on Facebook and says, it's here. First come, first, first serve. First come, first serve. That's yep. great. And so if he gets the allocated stuff, it's there. If you want to go to Eagle Rare, you know, whatever, any of the nice. ones that everybody's charging $100, $150 for on secondary market, he's got it down there at 
at retail, and it's just whoever comes in first. Teaches you to follow them on Facebook, yep. doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it really does. Really I, does. I uh, stopped at a liquor store to pick up some whiskey while I was in Round Rock, and uh, they had a bottle of 1.75 of Weller sitting up there. I was like, oh, how much is that? $70. And my brother was like, uh, should we get it? I was like, nope, that's way above retail costs. Yeah, and the yeah. guy's standing there looking at me, and I was like, no, that's way above retail costs. Come yeah. on, buddy. <laughs> like, I buy that in town around $40 when it's in stock. Yeah. Well, you know. uh, I will say this uh, pairs up very nicely with the Milani Maduro. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. It, it, this... just, uh, it just brings out uh, of some very subtle... Like sweeter. I would I would totally wear this like cologne if I didn't think I'd go to jail for if I got pulled over. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the tougher things about uh, about whiskey as cologne. Uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Well, all right. We'll take a uh, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, uh, our next segment is a short segment, but we will try from the main beer company, their Mo Pale Ale. I don't know if this is going to be to your taste or not, Alan. We talked we, about it. We will see. It, we talked about it last week. I'll, I'll try anything once, and I'll do the fun things twice. <laughs> so if it makes it to a third round, it must have been really good. Oh, yeah. And and more Cowbell is the hey, only IPA I and, drink more than twice. And after Whistlepig's next uh, experiment, we might be saying to ourselves, you know what this needs? It needs a little more bat. <laughs> a little more baseball bat be, in it. Could replace the more cowbell. A little, uh, little longer time on the, on the baseball bat. More time on the bat, yeah. <laughs> All right. We will be right back. We're live at Galveston Island Cigar Lounge uh, with our proprietor and friend, Mr. Alan Denny. And, of course, Trenton from Oliva, who is uh, always welcome on the show. Thank you. It, it, I mean, we'd have you on even if you didn't bring cigars. No, you wouldn't. But we certainly are glad that you do. <laughs> we certainly are glad you do. We'll be right back at Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's smoking and toasting. We are live from the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. It's nice to be able. I think the last time we had you on Trenton, we had you come in the studio, and of course we can't smoke in the studio. I have never been so, in the studio. Oh well, see that must have been somebody else. This no, shows you. you <laughs> this shows you how much we enjoy smoking with what you. Were you there we, when we did Briar Shop? Yeah, I was at the Briar Shop. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Briar, Briar Shop. That was a lot of fun. We uh, we had intended to get back there and do a pipe show, and it just didn't work out during the colder. Uh, season, so uh, we'll have to maybe do a pipe show during the summer. I need to put that um, on my list of things to do, so I remember yeah. to call them. Yeah, but uh, that that was a fun place. We had a great time, and that was that was actually where you handed us the uh, 135. Much anticipated. Yeah, much anticipated. We'll see. It just it look at it this way. We haven't had you in the studio because every time we have you on, it's like, well, we got to go out somewhere so we can smoke with you. So uh, consider it uh, consider it an honor. We'll have Alan on any old time. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> I am up but, for a pod crash, baby. But we enjoy being at your place, though. This is, honestly, this we talk about this on the show multiple times, but this back deck, to be able to sit back here, you know, just look out at the water, listen to the birds, smoke, it's, it completely enhances the smoking experience, that experience that we talk about, about your blood pressure going down, your real. body relaxing, your mind letting go of I mean, all how the can you hear those stuff that's been bothering you. Have high blood pressure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I gotta move back closer to the ocean. That's kind of yeah, listen to them put every on day. The sound that you oh just yeah, have it'll, out here. it'll raise your blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Some people put that sound on just to relax. I that's right. That's right. Uh, I, I I could go to sleep to the sound of the waves. I, you can get them on uh, YouTube. Well, it's, it's fine as long as somebody next door doesn't throw a bucket of chum in the water. True, that is true. And apparently that <laughs> happened earlier. 
Either that or they were just really, really excited about that, uh, uh, about that lager from Klaus. Uh, so, uh, Ian, you are pouring the, uh, the, uh, the Mo Pale Ale. And uh, I know Main Beer Company doesn't put a lot of stuff on their bottles, but what can you tell us about it? says, drink this uh, beer fresh within 90 mm. days of stamp born on date. Uh, just after opening our brewery, working long nights, weekends, and still maintaining our day jobs, my brother Daniel, the brewer, had twins. Cheers to his courage and dedication to making better beer. Thank you for drinking our beer. You enable us to continue doing what's right, take care of the earth and creatures that live on it, take care of our staff, and keep making better beer. Apparently, they're all about making better beer. Uh, I got to hand it to uh, them. There's that's not a, good, a whole lot a on here. Thing. It's a very simple label. Yep, yep. And all but, of the uh, labels are, are like that. Just what's yeah, the born on date print? since you said within 90 days? Well, just so you and know. And I just bought this. This was this made piece. on uh, the 7th of December 21st. So we are oh. so ever so slightly outside, but I think we're probably fine. Mm. Well... Yes, I can tell you we're totally fine. It, so I noticed, the first I noticed Cruz was nosing it very well. Got a little How orange. much grapefruit did you get off the mm. nose? That's I was thinking all orange. I got. Not as much as I got on the first sip, I'll tell you that. It is it is grapefruit and orange, like a, almost like a marmalade. Yeah. Uh, I like this. Yeah, marmalade's, yeah, like a, yeah. Yeah. marmalade's a, a good way to put it. second IPA that So I like. this is historic. Alan Denny is not an IPA guy. Curious even, George would love this beer. Even much more so than you. And uh, this is his second IPA that he will tell you that he actually likes. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah. Uh, well, the main beer company; these guys are not fooling around. I mean, they are—they are definitely one of the craftier craft beer companies that we've tried. You know, there are those who I think of—I uh, think of, of companies like, let's say, St. Arnold. They make great beer, but what they, what their sort of design and goal is to make like great beer for everybody. In other words, anybody can find something they like in their lineup and step up from macro beer to the delicious brews that St. Arnold makes. They are like a more populist kind of craft beer. Well, and the beer that they made that was more experimental was a, was a definite series like the Divine Reserve series or right. the Bishop's Barrel series. And and those were amazing. And the seasonals. And and uh, a company, though, like the main beer company, they're really just purists, you know? They kind of don't care if this ever becomes wildly popular like, around the world. Like they're Dogfish Head, craft beer very for much like that. Dogfish Head made so many weird beers, and then it took them years and years and years, and they finally came out with, oh, here's a sessionable IPA. Right. <laughs> that was that was weird for them. The slightly mighty is what you're well, talking about, you right? Know, if, if you smoke uh, an E.P. Carrillo cigar, you know that Ernesto made that cigar. Right. And Ernesto has a saying, a lot of people have said it, if you make a cigar for everybody, then you've made a cigar for nobody. That's a good saying. It really is. So that kind of reminds me of the beers, craft beers. If you're trying to make something for everybody... You're, you're, you're not being very nobody. crafty. No, you're not. Yeah. We talked about uh, a cigar recently that was being made, and I'm, now I'm trying to remember so many things we talk about on the show that sometimes it blurs together for me a little. But it was being made by you guys, uh, Trenton, uh, for another cigar company, and we talked about how rare that was because you guys don't do a lot of cigars for other, uh, for, for other companies. Not like, say, A.J. Fernandez, who'll do a cigar for anybody. Right. And it'll be great, but that's just yeah, and that's so just what he does. There's so much stuff done behind the scenes, especially not just the cigar making, but the tobacco, right? Uh, co-ops and sharing mm -hmm. of tobacco. Well, it's always interesting to me how you guys have remained um, 
a bit of a purist company, I think, in the cigar world. And you you don't have an affordable. enormous line, right? You're not releasing. You're not a, I mean, when when you talk about we talked about cigar prices going up recently, and that means I think it was when you and I were on the show last week. We were talking about how your some of your uh, upper end padrones are going from, you know, seventeen dollars to twenty one or twenty two dollars. Yeah. And and uh, listen, costs of everything are going up, supply chains, inflation, and that certainly doesn't mean that Oliva cigars prices won't go up as well. But the the thing is that you guys always price so reasonably to begin with, and it's just to me it means I can smoke a cigar like this or like the. Uh, Siri V that you just handed me the the Figurado. This is this is beautiful, and you can smoke a cigar like this, and it will hold its own with any twenty dollar cigar out there. And yet, what does this retail for? Twelve, twelve bucks. I'm telling you, you guys make me so happy because you don't do what you could do, which is charge seventeen or eighteen or twenty. Well, we spoke about that when the 135th anniversary came out. That right, a, yeah. When it first came out, it was a ten dollars cigar. Right. With the major price increase, it's going to be ten dollars and fifty cents. Wow. Wow. For the, so for this next release, it's ten dollars and fifty cents retail. You know what we haven't seen, and I'm really expecting it soon. We 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 all know, U.S. wide, the gas price increase, and one of the big things that a lot of cigar shops deal with that. The manufacturers, they, they pass it on. It, I mean, it's Shipping. expected. Yeah. Shipping. Yep. And UPS, we have not seen. You know, A lot of the companies, uh, it's a 3% of your total order price is, is what shipping is. I, I'll be honest, I don't know what y'all's is. I don't look. It's the actual cost. Oh, it's the actual cost. Yep. Uh, some, of them, some of them charge whatever the cost is plus 10 bucks That's for, right. for shipping and shipping handling. And handling. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the companies, it's just 3% of the total invoice. So if you... Bought three thousand dollars. It's three percent of that. If you bought thirty dollars, it's three percent of that. But I'm waiting for the shipping cost because gas is more than doubled yeah. in the last year. Well, all I can say is I hope nobody from Live Nation ever gets into the cigar business because then you'll have your three percent plus a plus handling fee. fee. No, no, a convenience fee. The like, convenience what exactly fee, yes. is convenient about me having to pay another fifteen dollars? If Live Nation gets fee. into the cigar industry. The cigars, they're eight or nine bucks, will immediately go to seventeen, yeah. and that's in Texas where we have a one cent per cigar <laughs> yeah. tax. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm telling you that that would be the that would be a sad day for the cigar company. Uh, but, but the the point though about Oliva is that you guys, you guys could be more expensive without even being remotely able to be accused of gouging, and and yet you guys hold the line on your cigar prices. I just, I just think it's so. Remarkable and so I, I have your bosses aren't for. watching this, are they? Because I don't want them to hear all that. <laughs> Raise the price. No, no, but that, that, no, but from, but from the, the very respect start. that we have yeah. for for Oliva for doing it that way. From the very start, the whole <laughs> Oliva concept was a great cigar at an affordable price. Right, and, and keep it consistent so that people want to come back and smoke it time after time. And even something like your less expensive portions of your line, like the Gilberto Oliva, yeah. those are great, great cigar. cigars, and they're. Really interesting, and they've been very highly rated yep. too in the uh, cigar magazine. So it just goes to show you that you don't have to do it that way. I don't know what's gotten into Padron. I don't know why they think those cigars should be priced at twenty and twenty-two dollars. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's not because they're limited, because you find them in cigar shops everywhere. Yeah. So the the thing about Padron is 
all of their cigars use the exact same tobacco on every Maduro, whether it's the 4000, the 64, the 26, mm-hmm. or the family series, the 44, the 45, the 90s. It's all the same tobacco. It's just different lengths of age. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got um, the 4000 with two years of age, you've got the 64s with about five years of age, and you get the 26 with nine and up, depending on if it's just a regular 1926 or if it's the, the family series. Mm-hmm. And so... The cost of their warehouse in Nicaragua to age cigar has not changed. Right. The cost of that that tobacco that's been sitting there for eight years has not increased over a year. Uh, it's just sitting there. It's waiting to be rolled. Right. And everybody, every cigar company that I know of did a price increase. The most modest price increase this entire year was Oliva. Yeah, that's, uh, that says something about you. 100%. Yeah. Now, Dr- let, me, let me ask you this question. There are, um, there are more cigars being imported to the United States of America this year than ever before. And it has been that way, I think, for the last year or so. Almost Things last have been two. increasing, yeah, almost last two, increasing steadily. Does that cause a supply problem with either the tobacco that you need to keep making the cigars or I always wonder about what about the rollers like that's the that, key right that's got to be one of the more difficult things <coughs> excuse me to get to get rollers that are sophisticated enough sure. to, to build a cigar that has is going to smoke like this one and, does well, you know it's not just the rollers I mean it's all workers any I mean we have you know there's no shortage I mean there's a massive shortage of workers worldwide for everything for everything yeah, yeah. And cigar factories are no different. I mean, people are leaving Central America at record paces, and they come right out of our factories. Wow. There, I've talked to uh, several of the owners of companies as well as sales managers and, and the reps, and you hear uh, two of them that I know for a fact, Perdomo and my father, both in Nicaragua. They are bussing in rollers from an hour away. Wow. They're sending. They're paying for their own buses to go out, pick these people up, pick them up, bring them in. They're almost all of the companies have schools. Because mm-hmm. a lot, hey, we're going to send you to school. Come on in. We're going to pay you right. while you're going to school, and they're going to roll them. And you know, they get if they get twenty people in school, eight of them can make it, and the twelve that couldn't, hey, they learn. So they're going to go down to Joe Schmo Cigar Factory right. and start and start rolling. And you know, those are where you get your house uh you know short filler and stuff like that but they're having a big problem on having to bus in that's an added expense when when perdomo my father i I don't know with oliva if y'all are doing i imagine y'all are as many cigars as y'all do yeah i haven't heard about busing people in. but if if you're having to bus people in from an hour away that's an added expense of fuel for a bus and and a driver driver to go get them and and time and and i know when we were at the uh, aladino Mm -hmm. factory in honduras some of their employees actually live on the property. Yeah. They have like housing for yeah. them there so that they can uh, you know, be close to work, not have to do transportation. And it was really interesting because when we walked down in the morning and the first shifts had gotten there to start making cigars, there was every kind of thing that they had used to transport in. Bicycles, there were little cars, little trucks, mo- little scooters. Like, scooters it, it was amazing like uh, what what the uh, employee parking looks like. Basically. Well, the other but, problem that a lot of companies are having is 
when when COVID hit and everybody got, if you could do your job from home, you were doing it from home. And so the guys that you smoked, can't roll cigars from home, yeah, home again, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't. But the guys that were here in the U.S. and let's say, all right, you went to Specs on Friday night, bought a bottle of whiskey, and you bought a cigar to smoke Friday night out on your porch. Well, now they're home, and they like cigars, so now they're smoking cigars and drinking whiskey all day on their back deck doing Woo-hoo! their work. Yeah, working calls. at home. <laughs> so that's what sent cigar sales through the yeah, roof. Yeah. Do you think they'll slow down now that people are no. going back to the office? No, it's it's a lot of those people are companies have realized if we can have workers work from home. Um, if Jane, they, yeah, if they get production from people at home, why pay the overhead? Yeah. So so one of my one of my members, James, y'all have all met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works from here every day. From your store. From the store. Comes in every gets day. A cigar, lights and, it up, and, and he works. used to travel. He was gone five days out of the week, and now he's home. He can do his job from here. But the problem that I'm hearing from a lot of people is the tobacco. They're running out of because they they uh, you know they forecast how many of these cigars we're going to sell. Yeah, and so but now we're above the forecast. Yeah, so using round numbers, let's say they expected to sell a hundred thousand cigars of this particular blend and size, and now this year they need a hundred and ten thousand. Well. Maybe the tobacco's aging four years, and they're like, oh, we don't have it at four years yet, but we've got this stuff that's three years, eight months. All right, it's only a few months short. Let's pull it. Let's roll it. But then you're going to, when the next year comes around, you don't have all that tobacco. And this is what happened during the boom, which is why towards the end of that cycle, there were so many really inferior cigars out there. Well, there were so oh, many yeah. companies that just did everything they could to try and keep up with it, and the quality control slipped hard. Absolutely. Including absolutely. premature tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, I will say, through all of this, we, we have a hard time getting cigars. You walk in my humidor, and I bet there's, I don't know exactly how many facings I have, but I've got, I bet, at least 25 boxes that are closed. Now, some of those is because... I got to order them, and, and, you know, we, we have to – what sold – what we just came out of the winter months. Uh, for every cigar company that's – or for every shop, that's a little bit rougher time is the winter months. Not many people can sit outside and go to the outside, beach. Sure, that's, yeah. that's cranking back up. There's a lot of cigar companies that cannot ship can't what you're well, ordering. Well, this is, this is not one of those massively owned companies that has a warehouse where they can ship them from another store or anything like that. This yeah. is <laughs> real deal oh, no. mom and pop. Yeah, exactly. We're out of that, but it's like going to Best Buy. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, we're out of that, but let me see. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, there's one in the uh, other store about, only, it's only an hour and a half away. You can drive to that one. If we, we, well, in Houston, that's like three miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is true. I think we, I think, though, that, that the most important thing is, and, I, and I'm glad that you guys do this this way, I just get the feeling that, like with the 135, you could have sold five, ten times as many of those as you released, and it's great that you're doing more, but it's not like you're, re- it's not like you're just cranking it up, putting them out there with that band on it, and allowing the quality of the cigar to be any different than it was in the first batch. Yeah, basically, yeah. we're just putting enough out to wet the wet the whistles of people wanted them because people are out and right. people are like wait i wanted more well, yeah, well the, mean, the thing about that 135 and this salamone that i'm i haven't lit mine up i'm fixing to but not every roller can roll that 135 uh, yeah, yeah, not yeah, every roller right. can roll this salamone that's a, that's you, a good point you have to a toro is where fit. they all start a uh, mm-hmm. five by 50 or a six by 50 that's where all the rollers start but you get special sizes like i don't i guess that 135 uh 
torpedo of some type. I don't Pelican even know what you – Yeah. And, but you get the Salamones and you get Lanceros. Those are very difficult sizes to roll yes, to be able to smoke correctly. Yes, and are. so you I, – I would venture – I know when in the EP Carrillo factory to roll a Lancero because they don't do any for them, but they do some for crown heads. There's one Bunchero, one roller. Yeah. That can roll can a Lancero. That yes. That's it. That's yeah. about. That's so and Lanceros are real particular too, because yes. if you roll it even slightly wrong, you got one that's either going to run right down the side or won't smoke. There's at all no room for error because it's too plugged. Yeah, they're very, very. So if you've if you've got a hundred rollers, maybe you've got two Buncheros and and two <laughs> rollers that can actually roll that cigar the way very it should be. Very interesting. Very interesting. I will uh, mention one more thing about this Mo Pale Ale. It did not go to war with my cigar, and that's yeah. always. As a person who loves IPAs and pale ales, that's always my, my only real drawback is that so many of them do not pair well with a smoke of any kind. They, they just uh, have too much of the hop bitter to, uh, to really mesh with the cigar. In this case, the citrus really kind of counteracts that, which is probably why you like this, because the citrus got kind of overtakes the hop bitter. It's still got a little bitter to it, but it's not... Not as bitter as Saudi. I wonder what it would have been like for Alan if he hadn't just had that 120 <laughs> proof. You know, this is something you mean I this 120 proof that I'm never about that 120 proof. Uh, and uh, there's no telling how many times I've been on this show la- now. I-, I would venture it somewhere in the mid to high 20s. We have uh, 277 episodes, so probably about 200 of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first IPA on this show I would have said. Can I get another pour? Can I go ahead and tell uh, you? Uh, it doesn't say IPA. It just says pale ale. Yeah, it's just a pale ale. But, but, it's, but it is very, I would guess it from the nose and everything. It's fantastic. If you had so said it was an IPA, I would have believed you. you know, right. And that's, that's the thing with pale ales. Is like, I understand that there's a difference. There's, in, there's, and there can the be a process, very thin gray line. It can be a very, very, very thin line. Well, I'll pass that back to you, and we will take a break. When we come back, short segment. Tequila, yeah. <laughs> this is a short segment on smoking and toasting. Uh, when we come back, it's tequila time. We're going to be tasting the 818 Tequila Añejo. Right back. Tequila time. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. We are live at the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge in beautiful Galveston, Texas. Uh, Galveston, as we always like to say, where the motto is that any um, medical waste that washes up on the shore is yours to keep. So, <laughs> so it's actually it's actually not like that these days, though, is it? I mean, the yeah, it is. things have gotten pretty. <laughs> no, 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 I thought there'd been like some, uh, you know, some freshening of the water from some, like some underground. Uh, uh, fresh water spots out in the out in the bay. Am so I wrong about that? Who lied to you? Uh, it was that damn rowdy Yates. I swear. Yeah. That no. Guy. I mean, they they get the one thing they do get a lot of is seaweed, and they try and clean it up as fast mm-hmm. as possible. But uh, you know, back here on the bayou, I mean, of course, the water's not crystal blue like you would get out in Fort Lauderdale or Destin right. or something. But the bayou back here is fantastic. That well, this this area of the Gulf has such a long shelf. Like, if you were standing in the Atlantic, uh, like, say, at uh, Daytona Beach, and you walk out 50 feet, okay, you are now, like, above your head in water. Out here, you walk out 50 feet, you might be waist deep. Right. So this bayou, right off my boat ramp right here. Thank you. It's 40 mm-hmm. feet. 40 feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and the reason for that is, of course, they, back in the hurricane of 1900, they, this was all dry land. They dredged this. Mm. And they dredged it to raise the height of the island anywhere between 8 oh. and 15 feet. Uh, simply because of the hurricane. It had decimated did, the island. They built the seawall and built it up. If you go down to some of the mansions downtown, the the basement of the first floors are literally filled with dirt down there. But, uh, yeah, mm. you can the, – the Coast Guard will come in here with their cutters and stuff and do drills and rapid response because they can get in Because it's actually deep enough, yeah. And pretend where it's it's deeper here than it is – miles offshore yeah mm, that's interesting yeah and that's why we that's why the water's not blue and clear it's brown because you have the silt well uh, there's part of that but around. the biggest part of that is the fact that we are west of the mississippi mm. so everything that flows out of the mississippi the way the 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 water works throughout the gulf mm. it, it comes <clears throat> you know it, the the tide comes this way or whatever it's called the the current comes this way that's why everything east of the mississippi is going to be blue and pretty and for is, the most part and this is, won't be. is that why is, is that similar to the deal where if you're north of the equator and you flush the toilet it swirls in one direction <laughs> and if you're south 100 percent yeah it's exactly the, other the same direction? thing okay exactly can we put thing. some ships out in the gulf to go counterclockwise and see if we can reverse <laughs> that yeah yeah it's kind of like man let me tell you what if you flush the toilet at ian's house yeah it's pretty you come to my house and flush the toilets. It's not so pretty. Oh well, that's <laughs> the somehow, show just took a turn for the worse. Somehow that doesn't surprise me, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> All right, I think I don't it's even know what that time. means. Uh, well, I don't think anyone. I, does. I wasn't going to ask. And I don't think I, I don't know either. what it means. No. Yeah. Uh, it's tequila time, my friends. This so which is, is this eight, one? Eight eighteen tequila añejo. Ian, this. Uh, Ian, would you hold the up the nose that on this? Is me? not tequila-ish. No, it's it's iced tea like. It's like iced tea with a little. Yeah. It's got it, a little is it just sweetness me? to it, like a like a. But you're right. There's some tea leaf in there. Yeah, it it, it smells like like iced tea with with agave in it. <laughs> iced tea with agave sounds like it could be a good idea. It, it tastes like, like iced tea with agave. Did in you it. taste it? I, yeah, yeah. that is wonderful. I think yeah, we're coming off 120 proof this. whiskey. Yeah, this is true. Well, this is this is maybe the, and of course it's 100 percent agave. So there's nothing. There's no additives here. But it almost tastes like they have added some kind of sweetener to it. Yeah, it almost it's tastes like simple syrup in it. Like it's a almost like a cotton candy this is, kind of. This a is lovely and probably dangerous because it's way too easy to drink. Yeah, uh, 100% agave azul, handcrafted small batch in Jalisco, Mexico. Production 0350, uh, 0385. Uh, 40%. Okay, I'm gonna be the dissenting voice here. I like this. But this is not the flavor profile I'm Uh-oh. looking for. But you're a tequila They, they tequila. use the word. Yeah. What, what word? We work closely with local <laughs> family-owned farms in Alisco, Mexico, to bring you the smoothest. Nice. Well, it is <laughs> smooth. Uh-huh. It is. Uh, they, yeah. they achieve that. The most natural yeah, and best-tasting tequila possible. Only the highest quality mm. ingredients are used in its creation. The area code 818 is home to me, but the earth is home to all of us. So from, I'm not going to read the rest of that. What's Man. the price point on that? Do y'all know? It's about a $43 bottle. Specs? Yeah. Uh, so as Añejo tequilas go, that's pretty inexpensive right now because not only did Skelly go up to 100 bucks for the Añejo, this but is, everything has gone up in the tequila I, world. I, this so, has so much like just iced tea, tea leaf, however you want to call it, and um, 
vanilla flavor in it. Like, it's absolutely crazy. This is probably one of the easiest drinking tequilas we've ever had on this show. This is, this is really good. It's good. And I, I like it, but I almost would like it better if it wasn't called tequila. It, you, you know what I mean? So It, it I, almost doesn't check the tequila box when you yeah, take, exactly. take a sip. But you, you want that little bit of a spiciness and a little bit of a hit when it yeah, comes to tequila. Yeah, you get the agave it's at the end, little, but it's not... There's very forward. little pepper going on in it. Very little um, heat of any kind. Very little heat, yeah. So do you think, how do you think this would be in a margarita? Smooth. Too, <laughs> almost too sweet, I would I, think. I, I agree. I don't think yeah, it would be good for a margarita. Well, because the margarita needs to have a little bit of bite to make yeah. it. Yeah. Because you got but, so much, you know, lime. But a little bit of sweetness in a margarita is a good, a good thing. Like, That's they have the a spec something for. that yeah. I use at home, is that, is which that is a spec margarita that you pour on. Oh, And I put just a little splash of it into... The shaker when I'm making the margarita because it it gives it some sweetness to counteract the bitter because I also will use like a Grand Marnier or yeah I use a Grand Marnier or yeah, an to, on yeah. top and just it, to it top gives it. it kind of counteracts that the bitter of that and makes it a very uh, a very delectable uh, uh, margarita. So I was but, told this weekend after we had the show and yeah, uh, so La Familia, mm -hmm. the Cuervo La Familia mm -hmm. that many of us are such a fan That's of. That's Spanish yeah. by the way for the familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was smooth. So, before Memorial Day, it will be one ninety nine a bottle. I'm not surprised, given how expensive so many of them it will be have what? become. One ninety nine a bottle. Oh, oh. yeah. I, I will say this about La Familia: every time I buy a bottle, it has gone up at least ten dollars mm. more than the last bottle yep. that I bought. Um, I mean, it's a great spirit, but wow. Well, I saw it somewhere this You have to drink it faster so it doesn't go up yeah. the next time Tell you buy it. Tell me where after the show I'm going to buy it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a total like one. They had one okay. bottle. Right. That, that makes enough. perfect sense to me. So we are going to have uh, another beer in the last segment. We're going to have an Imperial Stout from Gigantic. Uh, but a, co a company called GoPuff, which I only go know of. GoPuff. I only know of because I saw their ads on like Super Bowls and stuff. Is that like one word or are, two? Uh, I think they fashion it as one. Gotcha. Uh, but but they're a delivery service like Uber Eats or or uh, Instacart or something like that, and they'll deliver like pretty much anything. And the only reason I know that is because they ran a series of incredibly awful, annoying commercials during some <coughs> excuse me some sporting events that I watch. Uh, I've never used them, but they have released a list based on cities where they deliver beers of the most popular beer style in that city. Now, you got to put a huge caveat on this because it's based on what they deliver. It's based on the demographic, <coughs> demographic of people who will have stuff delivered. Oh, what did I do? And know about it. Oh, oh thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and so that might be a slightly different profile than um, people who go to their grocery store or, or specs or wherever and, and pick out beers and bring them home. Yeah, but the people that buy and have it delivered, that's a different demographic. That's that's a, So that's the caveat. I, I want to say that's probably going to be a higher median income than <laughs> people that just go down and, and pick up a bottle, of, a handle of Jack Daniels. Or this, um, this survey... Uh, was printed in Fast Company, which is a very reputable magazine. But uh, I thought you might find it interesting. Since we are in the Houston-Galveston area, I will start there. According to this article, the most popular style of beer in the Houston area is a New England IPA. 
That doesn't surprise me. All right. Although, so well, let's, New England surprised Let's just cut me. this IPA. out for the BS that it is. <laughs> uh, they mention like a Firestone Walker. Uh, they give like a sample of what might be in that particular category. If you go a little further north uh, from us to Dallas, they say it's the fruit IPA that is the most popular. Is that is that a hazy IPA? Uh, that... No, I guess it'd be like a like a tangerine, okay. tangerine express from Stone, something like that. The one that they mention is Hop Valley's Mango and Stash IPA. Which is there I, a lot I, of more people good. in uh, Dallas that smoke weed? I don't know. I wouldn't think so, but it is Dallas. Um, don't skunk the beer. American IPA is the most popular in Austin. So apparently, the Texas cities are very IPA oriented. IPAs, right? Yeah, a New Belgium, New Belgium Voodoo Ranger is one that they list as a as an example of an American IPA. Head to Chicago, and remember, Chicago has to have a caveat because that's where they drink Malort. Yeah. Uh, so you never, you can't really take Chicago. That seriously. So it's got to be a beer that will strip the Malort flavor out of your and mouth. Apparently, I don't know what beer that would apparently be. Apparently, it's Pilsner, because Pilsner is the most popular. Well, style, they're very close huh? to Wisconsin. According to GoPuff in uh, in Chicago, that's right. In Denver, Colorado, it's Imperial IPA. They're serious about their IPA. Well, again, in Denver, yeah. smoke weed, I want a lot of weed, but I want a big one. Now, Michigan is a great state for um, for beer, for beer yeah, and breweries. There's so beers. many great breweries in the Michigan area. Uh, the most popular beer style in Lansing, Michigan, is the Summer Shandy, if you can believe ah, that. That's I didn't very know Midwest. That, I didn't know the Summer Shandy would be the most popular style anywhere. To me, that's that seems like a very, you know. But if you take some of the Midwestern uh, beers, like Wine and Kugels, for example, their, yeah. their Shandy is very popular. So uh, maybe that's it. In Miami, Sour Ale is the most Weird. popular beer style. Isn't that, isn't that strange? Like, I, I don't quite get that. I thought the most popular beer style in Miami would be, like, Cavassier. I'd be interested <laughs> I'd be interested, interested to see this list next to a list of the most popular sales uh, uh, beers. Right, in I, that I agree. Because, and I'm not talking about, like, on macro Gopa. brewers, obviously, but, like, yeah. styles of, of uh, craft brews that are sold in that area versus so what's delivered. So, one thing that, you know, and I, I mentioned it before about a higher median income probably doing this. But it's also the, the uh, I don't want to say millennial, but the younger generation that's doing the a lot of deliveries. deliveries. Yeah, that, that's a good so point. I hate to show my age, but I'd never heard of the GoPuffs. Of so. GoPuff. I, I, I don't know. If I saw the video, I just didn't know what it was. I was yeah. like, oh, this is another well, one Well, it is a very bizarre like, Remember the old BASF commercials? Yeah. We don't make the items you <laughs> buy. We just make them better. What the hell do you do? <laughs> right. <laughs> Not <laughs> better. How do I know? <laughs> Washington, D.C., they go for wheat ale. Uh, juicy IPA in Philadelphia. In New York City, it's amber ale, what's like a, what, a like a fat tire. What's right, a juicy right. IPA? Juicy IPA is is Very there's some fruity. distinction between hazies and juicies. Never heard that. I term. describe hazy IPAs as ones that are not filtered. The one that we had today was a hazy. Mm -hmm. If you look at the actual way that the uh, way that the uh, IPA looks in the glass, but you could also describe it as a juicy because it had that. Very citrus forward. Yeah, all I think, that grapefruit. Uh, I think the yeah. term hazy IPA is much like the term alternative music. It oh, was, right. It was a thing that actually meant something about the product when it first Until came it out. became mainstream. Until it became mainstream. And now it's just like a kind of a blanket statement about Although it's the not style. really mainstream anymore. Uh, if you watched the Grammys the other night, which I did not, not a single rock performer on the Grammys for like the third or fourth consecutive year. 
They even give away they even give away the the rock awards at the pre-show now. Like they give away the awards for like best album nobody cover cares spine about this. and stuff like that. No, yeah, there are so. plenty of bashings of Chris Rock and oh Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right. Belgian White Ale in Los Angeles, which seems a little strange to me. It, it seems very seems, appropriate to me. When I look at this list, it almost <laughs> seems like GoPuff took uh, like a dozen different beer styles and assigned one to each city. You know what I mean? Like how how would it be possible? that New England IPA was the most popular in Houston, but none of the other cities, that was the most popular. Because they paid for it. Ooh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> well, these are styles, though, not breweries. So, oh. You know, it's... it's uh, this doesn't make sense anyway. for Houston. Well, I'm, quite I frankly, mean... GoPuff doesn't make sense to me either. So there you go. It's just a list I'm passing along because it was in Fast Company, and I thought it might be that, interesting to talk about. <laughs> that goes on the, on the bottom of the list of lists... That we care the about. bottom of the list of lists. <laughs> well, we do like lists on this show. I'll, I'll admit that lists can be fun. They're, so you're saying this is at the bottom of that list? The yeah. bottom. Of list. This is of the bottom list. of the list of lists. <laughs> lists yes. <laughs> All right. So now that you've had a moment, give me more thoughts on this tequila. What tequila? What tequila? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys really liked this. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And this, I don't like tequila. This is, this is my a weird tequila. show for me. You like IPAs and tequilas, and, and I like both of them. This and is messed up. I knew that he liked uh, bourbon, so I brought a bourbon on the show last week when he was on, and we this were both is, kind of like, hey, so yeah, this tequila, stick, yeah. this tequila is super interesting because this is, uh, this is one of those tequilas where if you have it on your shelf and you have someone who's like, man, I really just don't like tequila, you can be like, try a sip of this. Yeah, no, that, that's because a, that's a good point. Cause it's it's very, different. very different. It's not a traditional. Like flavor profile tequila, there's no. it's not a lot of the, it's not the agave punch up front. It's not a lot of the uh, peppery. Right. It's not uh, like a Juanitos that has that really right, pepper super forward. Peppery, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like this, it's not like that at all. It's Ian. Could you do me a favor? Incredibly. Could you, I want to take a pour of that in and have somebody drink it. That's not a tequila person. Unknown. I want to. I want to see that. Uh, don't tell them it's a tequila. Oh, I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to. All right. Report. Tell back. them it's rum. I'll be right back. Report back. You, you could just bring the mic with you. <laughs> it, it, it'll travel. You won't be able to you see me, actually, but you can hear me. We won't be able to hear you. Actually, he's our man. Oh, there's that. There's that. Yeah. So Adam will have to tell us when he's talking. <laughs> and he's so he's off favor. screen. He's <laughs> off screen. So yes. He's disembodied voice off screen. I'll just mention. It's not Malor, Trenton, there's an interesting moment in the smoking of this uh, Figurado. When, I like to say when it rounds the corner, when it makes it through the, the more narrow yeah. part, up to the fattest part, which is right past, and then when it kind of begins to recede again just a little bit in size, like right about here, this cigar just Opens takes up. off. So It's a wonderful thing. The key is the light which is so important on any cigar, but especially this cigar, and it takes a little bit of time because you have to get a real even light because that's mm -hmm. such a small area to light. Yeah, I didn't get it quite right. I had to touch it up a little yeah, bit and, when it came out. Yeah, and you do on a cigar. That's yeah. totally normal for a cigar like this, but once you get past it, and it's going to be a tight draw for mm -hmm. a minute or two, and you're going to think, oh, this is going to be terrible. But then all but of a sudden it opens up. it's not tight at all anymore. It's then just, it just yeah. opens up, and you're right. It opens up, you get that burst of flavor, and then once you get about five ten minutes in it's also going to change mm -hmm. again so yeah, i mean it's, yeah. it's but one of the things that i i love about all the cigars that i would put in my absolute favorites category are the fact that they are not just one blend of flavors yep. throughout the cigar even if i really like that blend of flavors 
I love when they change and shift and when the, uh, the vibe that you're getting from the cigar just opens up and shows you something different as it smokes. And well, that, that's why I wanted to that bring these. That makes this a beautiful cigar. Just to reiterate the fact about the 135th, about it's the same tobacco, but it's an entirely different flavor from yep. any other Siri V that you're going to smoke. Neither one of them knew it was tequila after smelling it and drinking it. Interesting. Both of them said, man, this is really sweet. Like, what is this? <laughs> Neither one of them got it's tequila. The, it's the tequila for people who don't like tequila. It is. <laughs> All it's right. a gateway tequila. It's a gateway tequila. That's good. That's good. Gateway Start tequila. you out on this. Before you know it, you're quaffing down uh, Reserva <laughs> de la Familia like it was. Right. Done. That's Nobody the nice thing it. about this deck is it's pouring down rain behind us. Yep, yep. And we're dry. We are dry. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, we're going blowing. to uh, take this moment to take a break and come back for our final, uh, our, not our final segment, but our final longer segment. And uh, that's the one that I always look forward to because that's the one where we do a little thing called Drinking News. And Isn't that where Ian does alternative music? Before uh, I believe the, uh, he does alternative music <laughs> as the... Uh, as a, you know, Ian, with you out last week, by the way, we had to use the Chris Morris version it's, of the Drinking News thing. It's song. alternative contemporary ukulele. <laughs> I like I'm, that. I'm going to have to put that on Pandora as a search. <laughs> if it pulls up Tiny Tim, then Pandora is bogus. Are, are we are uh, about to be smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. This is the radio program podcast that is all about craft beer, fine spirits and hand-rolled cigars, which we are enjoying in, in, with, with great vigor today. Uh, just, just absolutely I, nice. You know, the Siri V would have to be one of my absolute desert island cigars. No question about it. No question about it. And this, this is the, actually the first time I think I've smoked this particular shape, and it is just absolutely wonderful. I'm a big fan of the box press, the first one that, uh, the first one that we had today. But this is, uh, this is really, really, really wonderful. Well, I love on the Figurato when you light that uh, the tiny tip on the end, you light it, and then as you're puffing, you can feel the draw open up as oh, you're going. 100. It's like yeah. you're like the first couple of puffs, you're like, oh, it's like getting it's a golf ball through. Like, oh, okay, now we're there. Oh, now I'm good. It's like that moment that your frosty melts just enough to go through the straw. <laughs> I love that. So all this or took your place. shake from Whataburger. Same yeah. Thing. All, all this stuff took place during the break. So he lit it, and he's like, oh, I lit it too soon. So now it's opened up. Yeah, it's perfect. Just in time for the show. And it's just like I was talking about, it's not just the draw that opens up, it's the flavor yep. that opens up too. Yeah. And it's really a wonderful thing. And again, it takes a very special cigar roller to make this cigar because you have to get just the perfect amount proportionately throughout the cigar to make it taste right. Yeah, yeah I get notes of grapefruit and iced tea. <laughs> it's smooth. <laughs> it's smooth. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing in a cigar. <laughs> it's not, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, is Ian, this thing on? You were very, very uh, much missed last week. In fact, Alan said he had so much more fun doing the show with you than he did doing it with me. So uh, you were, you That's were, not at all what you, I said. You were missed from, uh, from, from every angle. You know, I've but, always said that you were really holding me back and, and mm -hmm. stifling my talent on mm -hmm. this show. That's, that's what yeah. I've been trying to do from the very beginning. I know. And I think I've been very successful. <laughs> so next week on Smoking and Toasting, Cruz will be in a straight jacket with a muzzle, and Ian will be running the show. Yes, but I will be smoking a cigar in that straight jacket with a muzzle. You're going to have to the talk only, around that cigar. The only thing that will keep me sane if I'm in a straight jacket. I'm too claustrophobic for that. However, you're back, so why don't you pick up that ukulele, and let's do us 
some drinking news. You do the honors of saying it was covered with a cloth because of the rain. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. I feel like that Pink Floyd show they did at the uh, race stadium where they were all rained on. <laughs> it, it's very similar to that now that I think Drinking about. news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking <coughs> news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Nicely done, <laughs> Mr. Alan Denny, on the ones and twos. Ladies. Nice. <laughs> I've seen this show a time or two. Call us traditionalists, if you will. But here at Drinking News, we are of the opinion... Patted my mic. Sorry about that. We are of the opinion that some animals make better pets than others. There's a reason that dogs and cats are the most popular domesticated animals, followed by birds and fish, although those can be difficult if not impossible to pet. We all, though, have that one friend who has or had a snake, and they always wanted you to handle it. And now I'm not afraid of snakes per se, I just don't need to have one wrapped around my body. And in fact, there's only one real good time to have that happen, and it is the dance scene in the Tarantino movie from Dust Till Dawn, where Salma Hayek comes out on stage dancing with the huge python swirl around her, and it's absolutely awesome. That, my friends, is a moment of cinematic history, and no one can take that away from us. Nor should they. But snakes aren't really all that friendly, and neither are ferrets, by the way, who bounce around your house making that little squeaky noise and then burrow into the walls of your apartment, causing you to most certainly lose your deposit, and uh, have the amazing ability to crap their body weight every three or four hours, and not always in the litter box. There's nothing quite like opening your underwear drawer to find that Mr. Wheeze has left you a nice little gift on top of your boxer shorts. We all know, of course, that wild tigers should not be kept as pets or in captivity, and we learned this from watching The Tiger King on Netflix. There is actually some debate about whether they should even be kept in zoos, especially the ones without a more natural kind of habitat. And while we may not agree on the finer points of zoos and animals and pens and cages, there is one thing that every single person who watched that show can absolutely agree on, and that's that Carol Baskin most definitely killed her husband. Now, while I've never really understood the fascination with pot-bellied pigs as pets, they are very popular too. You know, if I wanted something wandering around my house making grunting noises all the time, I'd still be married to my ex-wife. But pigs oh. are pretty popular as pets. And that brings us to today's drinking news story, the story of Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon is a very naughty pig. Last March, she was banned from the Conquering Hero pub in the West Norwood neighborhood of London for stealing pints of beer and headbutting patrons. Uh, the Vietnamese micropig's owners, the landlords Vicky and Ian Taylor Ross, uh, noticed that the pig was finishing off the dregs of customers' glasses, headbutting patrons under the tables, and raiding the pub's bar snack st uh, stock. On one occasion, Bacon scarfed down a bag of dry roasted nuts and, a little disturbingly, a supply of pork rinds, which she has a particular liking for. 
the Vietnamese potbelly, quote, doesn't have a clue that pork skins are her relatives, end quote, <laughs> says Mrs. Taylor Ross, who described the pig as just like a dog, only craftier, and, quote, a lovable menace. Uh, customers have been known to give the four-year-old pig a sip of their beer, most likely after she'd headbutted them, or worse, under the table. Uh, Ms. Taylor Ross added, uh, we had to put locks on the storage just to stop her from coming in and stealing crisp and chicarones. She has an incredible sense of smell. She eats a special dry feed for micro pigs and eats all our vegetable peelings. As long as she's not eating her relatives, she says, it's okay. <laughs> Francis Bacon may or may not have a favorite kind of beer. We have not been able to corroborate a report that she seems to turn her snout up at Bud Light and anything else from the macro brewers. That said, she's a pig. Our best guess is that she likes something a little more substantial, like a perfectly drawn Guinness or a nice imperial stout. At any rate, no one needs to be giving a pig a beer with 12% ABV and then watching her stumble around the pub looking for pork rinds. If only we knew what her pot-bellied grunt language actually meant, right? We can only wonder if when she's, if she's ever stuck her snout in a bag of snacks and grunted out, Uncle Porky, is that you? Reporting from the Conquering Hero Pub in London, my name is Cruz and that is your Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for drinking news, drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. I mean, Thanks, my, my thought is, wouldn't it just be so much more humane to switch to pretzels? <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> so I got one thing out of the story, and it's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. And there was no way I was going to stop you from talking. <laughs> okay. She's headbutting patrons. Under How the much had they had to drink where they <laughs> fell to the ground? I think I think he meant head butting them. With I think the, the with pig the was using head, oh my God. but the into their head. knees or yeah, or other areas. Yeah, I also I want to here. You can have the beer. I yeah. want to point out that I did I did underscore your entire message today with hello hello. Is there anybody in there? It, and it did remind me of when Pink Floyd did the big show in the ring. Can you hear me? You know. Uh, the, the other thing I got from this story is, and people may have heard this before, but thank God for Texas. There are more tigers in captivity in Texas than all of the wild of the world. Wow. And that's a fact you can look up. That's kind of scary. I mean, if it says it on the Internet, it's true. Yeah, uh, we all know Wikipedia is a source of great truth. Well, tigers are legal in Texas. Okay, so who is the, who's the actress that wore the snake? So I'm a Hyatt. Okay, so my question, that was very memorable in your mind. What else was she wearing? Uh, Does it just matter? the snake? A, a bikini top. Does, does anybody <laughs> care? It was almost I mean, was like a Princess say, Leia bikini. Where, she was just I, wearing I'm a snake. I'm telling you, do not take my word for it. Rent that Tarantino movie. You could probably YouTube that scene. You can. Just I'll tell you what, and I know this because I've done it. If you YouTube Salma Hyatt snake, it'll come right up. It's worth it. It's worth it. I, uh, I, quite frankly, now when I go to YouTube on my TV, if That's I type in S, up. it comes up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not making that up. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite, quite worth it. Salma is, a, is an international treasure. But I digress. Um, so, Ian, I, I, I just feel like having you here with the ukulele, doing your Pink Floyd impression, 
uh, just made drinking news just that much better. So I thank you for that. Cheers. I yeah. mean, I, I've got more Pink Floyd if you want to hear it. Go, you know, be my guest. We can do the whole, you know. Uh, Welcome it? to the machine. Ah. We don't need no education. See, this is when this is when you've had the we smooth tequila no and the show begins to kind control. of generate from there. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a life of its own. It does indeed. So I don't want to make you put that ukulele down, but I do want you to open up that uh, Imperial Stout. I thought we were doing the whole song. We're doing the whole song. Hey, and a half minutes. Teachers, leave those kids alone. Now we got. Now we got to bring it home. Oh, it's a ukulele. It's weird. <laughs> Let me do that one more time. You only have four strings, right? All in all, you're, you're just a another brick in the wall. Wow. All right. What has happened to us here? I'm not sure. <laughs> I just want to know if this stout has the same ABV as the stout we tried last week. What was it? like? Uh, it uh, was the Dogfish Head yeah, it was Wild, Dogfish Head, Wild yeah. West Stout or yeah, Wild yeah, World Stout. Um, it was it was quite remarkable. Fifteen to twenty ABV. Yeah, it was a uh, dogfish bourbon barrel aged worldwide stout was what we had last week. Don't you love it when they don't even nail it down? They're like it's somewhere between you're here, right. yeah, and way yeah. over there. Yeah, they're like yeah. eh, it may, but your actual mileage may vary. Very. <laughs> uh, oh, do you need some uh, some more cups? I got two. All right, let me get. Well, I got enough for me. Well, uh, and I'm <laughs> aware of this. So so the gigantic, this is here. great. It's got a, uh, a, a locust, well, grasshopper if you're from around here, um, on the front with a military outfit and a cigarette, <laughs> and the appropriate military mustache and goatee configuration. Yeah, well, he's, he's a Russian uh, locust, right? <laughs> yeah, I assume so. Mm -hmm. Russian imperial locust. Mm -hmm. This is... Uh, what did we call it? Most, uh, most something? Most, most premium. Most premium. Dos Fidania. Oh my gosh. He's pouring us a drink of motor oil. Yeah. That's kind of like what That's what it looked like last, what it week. Was last yeah, week. Yeah, for that sure. That was one hell of a stout, it wasn't was it? It was good. It yeah. was delicious. Oh my mm. gosh. You don't want to pour that over your clothes. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, yeah that will stain Ooh, your shirt. baby. Now this is bourbon barrel aged. We've had this same stout before, Ian, that was aged in champagne barrels. But this one is uh, is bourbon barrel. Yeah, aged. the label so, looked familiar. I didn't know what the difference mm -hmm. was. We've actually had, the we've labels had, of the two are almost identical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it it uh, it absolutely is. But it's the same stout. This one, however, bourbon barrel aged, and wow, it has Ooh, a raisiny smell right off it, the right off the and nose. And it has like, a bit of a boozy smell too. Yep. And what is and the ABV on this? Did you, did you see? see uh, all right. Oh. Mm. That's why we can't have nice things. See? I was... <laughs> I took this your is, place on that one. This uh, is before you even... Uh, see, ABV, it. 12%. Okay, 12. At least it doesn't say somewhere between, between. 10 and 15. It says, uh, <laughs> we had to go most look premium that up. Russian That's imperial stout. stout, bourbon barrel aged, blacker than the uncaring hearts of the czars of Russia, richer than their estates, more decadent than their palaces, and larger than their empire, this bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout is truly the most premium. It's mm, mm. good. Well, you've got that raisiny. That, that was for my dead homies. You've got that raisiny uh, uh, taste. Yes. Definitely uh, kind of one of the 
mm. dominant notes of this, don't you think? Absolute love it. Uh, almost no carbonation whatsoever. Chocolatey no, finish. Is, and, it, and it's got some viscosity to it as well. A little bit of coffee. So do you think yeah. the pure way to drink this would be room temp? No, I think it's actually probably at about the right temperature here. Okay. This is probably at about 55-ish degrees. Yeah. You um, might see the flavor shift a little bit, though, if it were a little bit warmer. It's the one problem I have with uh, certain restaurants that I go to where they advertise, oh, our beer's at 32 degrees. I don't want my stout at 32 degrees, but thanks. No. no. Well, I'll tell you, there are other beers that you do want at that. Uh, there are some beers that should be, that should be consumed as cold as you can get Yeah, them. but that's so you don't taste them. No, that's not the case, sir. Beer is a wonderful thing cold. Now, there are certain ones, I admit, that are better if they warm up. But I don't buy into this room temperature is the best. If you if for, you for had this, IPA if you had this at that super cold temperature, it would just taste like coffee with yeah. a little bit of bitter chocolate on the back end. But that lager that we had when we uh, in the first segment of the show, that is best ice cold. I'm telling you. It would not be nearly as enjoyable at warm as it was ice cold. It I mean, needs that for the crispness. This is just me. I like cold beer. <clears throat> I also like beer in bottles. See, and you always have uh, frosty mugs. I'm not a frosty Love mug person. Love me some frosty mugs. Not a frosty the mug The beer stays cold longer. I get it. I guess sometimes you get a chunk of ice in your beer from it. So what about when you go to a, a what about when you go to a sporting event? Um, you get the cans because they stay colder. Uh, no, the cans don't stay colder, but they won't let you get the bottles at the sporting event. No. That, that, that's like one of the things, the, the cans stay colder, that's what they say. That's, mm. I call, yeah. bullshit. I do too, yeah, that's, but that's the, what they say. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Uh, that, well, what the they cans, do at these sporting events The cans get colder the quicker, giant. that's for sure. Yes, they get colder quicker. Like, you that put them in true. ice, they get colder quicker, but it doesn't take long, man. You submit, you submerge uh, uh, a room temperature 12-pack of bottles and a 12-pack of cans in ice, and they're like 10 to 15 minutes they're cold at a lot of the concert venues that you go to now as same as a lot of the sporting events the beers that you buy are in those gigantic yeah 24 ounce super cans. tall yeah. cans which on the one end is good because you don't have to go back as quickly once you finish it the thing i don't like about it is that you either have to drink it really really yeah. fast Gets, or that last warm. third of it is is warmer. Than we I should start a company and start selling koozies for those cans. I bet we can make money. Wait, did I say that on yeah, live? Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. Well, forget uh, I said it. Have y'all, have y'all been to NRG? I'm also going to invent for a women's clothes Not with pockets. Lately, I feel like I can be a millionaire. So, NRG, it's the coolest thing now. You, if you want craft beer, mm-hmm. they have some of the 24 ounce cans and craft beer. But you go to this cooler and you pick them up. And you walk past the, you get your own beer, and you set it on a little thing, kind of like uh, they, uh, they Torley have, or what, what's Mr. Torley, again? Mr. Torley, and it scans the beer for you. You oh. pop your credit card in. There's nobody there. There's one of those wow. at uh, at um, and uh, the baseball stadium. I'm blanking. Uh, Minute Maid. At Minute Maid. Yes. Minute Maid. Yeah. There's one of those at Minute Maid, and you gotta like know where it is. I think it's it's like it's like at the far right field area on the second level, I think, and there's one of those, and what, they actually have some good. What about age verification? That's a good question. It's a great question. <laughs> there, I missed the question. What was I it? Do know what about age verification? There's usually uh, one employee like standing off to the side, but I think they're really just making sure that you're scanning yeah. each beer and not grabbing them out of the fridge and going. 
Kind, I, of, kind of interesting. I've never been carded. <laughs> and you look so young. I know. They probably have something linked to Facebook that has face recognition. Yeah, prob- probably. <laughs> probably. Keep well, all, all, all I know about Minute Maid is as you're walking past the stands of Bud, Bud Light, and Carbock, keep walking. There's St. Arnold if you go far enough. Because they have so, a whole St. Arnold uh, area. Weird, weird bit of beer news. Real craft. My wife and I have been trying some of those low-calorie beer, beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carbock has one that's actually yeah. low-calorie. It's pretty nice to drink. Is it the uh, new Love Street Light that yes. I saw? And yeah, I like pretty Love nice. Street. Yeah. Is, is the light worth drinking? Yeah, it's, it's actually like if you're going for a low-cal beer, it's nice. I, I, I Again, I don't like to put money in ABM vest pockets, but mm-hmm. at the same time, that's, you know, that's a pretty nice beer. I, I uh, have to have to agree. Speaking of Love Street, by the way, their music festival is back, uh, and it's coming up on the 16th, uh, Love Street Music Fest at the Carbach Brewery, and uh, they've got some pretty interesting bands there. Living Color is going to be there. Living Color? Kind of, yeah, which is kind I, of cool. It, like I've with, seen them live. They're fantastic. Like with Corey Glover yeah. and, and yeah. Muzz Skillings? Yeah, and, touring, touring. Oh, man. The band is back together, as they say. I love Living yeah, Color. Yeah, no, they're, band. That, they're that great. That Stain live. album mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They released a new album about a year ago, as a matter of fact. Mm. I need they're to check it out. I haven't still, listened to it. Still doing their, still doing their thing. So, um, I, I just wanted to mention, by the way, that the day the show goes live, we're actually recording this one in advance, but the day the show goes live on Thursday is actually National Beer Day. So I'm glad that we celebrated with. Uh, we need more good, beers. Some pretty good beers here. We're gonna, and yeah, Alan we're gonna need some more brought beer. us. Show beers, and we usually don't talk that much about the show beers because they're just for us to enjoy to get the palate moving. Yeah. But Alan brought us the. You talked about this on the show last yeah, week, did. didn't you? The Canadian EHF a- Imperial. It's Cream Canadian AF. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you for correcting me. It's an Imperial Cream Ale with maple, vanilla, and coffee. And the one word I have to say is yes, it is all of those things, and it's quite delicious. So. It's it's a it's an intrusive show beer, however, though, because yes, it's it got is. lots of flavor. Yeah, right. Usually the show beers we go for something, uh, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. palate cleanse almost. Uh, uh, if you want me to go in, I could have gotten you one of the Dos Equis Michelada uh, uh, seltzers, if that's what you want to cruise. Is there really a Michelada seltzer? <laughs> I'm making that up. Well, that just sounds so that egregious. Sounds horrific, <laughs> yeah, yes. It really does. Nicely done. That it sounds... really does. But, yeah, it sounds like something they would do. <laughs> it does. It really does. What was the beer that we had uh, not too long ago on the show that was a, it, it, was it a Michelada or was it was something, it was really awful, whatever it was. Was it a Soul? Oh, that Soul oh. was terrible. Yeah. Oh, it was really bad. One of the worst beers we had. I mean, it, it wasn't as bad as the all time. It was almost as bad as beer. when Chris keeps trying to give us that Montucky cold snack. <laughs> that is pretty bad. And I don't know why he likes it. And he's that. like, I like this. It's terrible. He has, he has such good taste about most He gave it to his blind, and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but neither of them topped the worst beer we've ever had on the show. I've taken to calling it the Malort of Beers. And that was the Dos Equis Mexican Pale oh, Ale. That's terrible. That is one of the worst beers I've ever tasted in my life. Well, as you know, that's that just I've had wrong. <laughs> A Mexican pale ale? Yeah. Oh, that's why. It it's a peppered pale ale, oh. and it's just dreadful. Oh, yeah. It's 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 egregious, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This coming from the man that malorts people. Yeah. I'd rather have that malort. That shit's funny. I'd rather have malort the first than time, that pale ale. Not the second. That's, oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I got to say, as someone that he has malorted twice, 
is pretty funny the second time too. It really was. We didn't take jokes a break are funnier back. the more times you tell them. If yes, you don't see, know that this theory, this is one thing. You know, Ian and I disagree about a lot of things, but that is one thing we have in common. Jokes are funnier the more times you tell them. That's the look on Mary's face. She doesn't oh, agree with that. My wife thing. is like, oh, please do not encourage it. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap this up. Smoking and toasting live from the uh, wonderful back deck of the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge, where I have to say, it rained. It rained pretty hard. We're still sitting here nice yep. and dry, Alan. And a it's, great place man, to be. Man, it is nice breeze, and it's cool outside. Love it. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Thank you guys for uh, being here for this very fun episode on the uh, back deck of the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. Uh, Alan's got a great humidor here. If you were in the Galveston area, <laughs> stop by, support the shop, hang out with Alan, Thanks. have a cigar. He'll even pour you something from his uh, behind-the-counter bottle if you talk. Nicely. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's, there might be a few things in there. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, but he's got a great selection, great prices, and uh, it's just a, a very cool and laid-back and friendly vibe, which you want in a cigar lounge. You never want that feeling like you get at, uh, uh, you know, at at some restaurants where you know they're waiting on your table. You know what I'm talking about? Right. And they're like, anything else, sir? Anything else, sir? Anything else, sir? <laughs> get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Of course, people treat me that way when I'm in TJ Maxx. I, so. I just want to point I just want to point out, sitting out on this, if, if you're looking at that particular camera view, sitting out here on this, you can look like this. Look how chill. Look how yeah. relaxed. Yeah. Look at the background. And we had the special guests of the seagulls earlier. Yes, yes. And our special, special guests, of course, uh, Trenton from Oliva, it is always a pleasure to have Thank you on you the guys. show. And not just because you bring amazing cigars, although that doesn't hurt, but uh, but we would hang with you in the studio where we couldn't smoke. And we should do that sometime, just to Because he's never you. seen the studio. I have yeah. not seen yeah, the yeah, studio. We actually do have one. Uh, but have but my out. question is, why don't you have a vent in there to... We so really, you know, we really do need... I've I, I thought about it. It's, it's kind of a smoking show. Yeah, I think I think we should green screen the back of the studio, and then we could be wherever we want to be. Kind of like a Zoom background. You don't, or, even, need, you don't even need a studio. Or I could just wear a green shirt and be a floating head that talks about... Oh, wait, you're doing that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't have a green screen. Did you see, by the way, there was a thing recently, I, I saw it on YouTube, it was a news report about class picture day <coughs> at, the, uh, at this one particular school. <coughs> it got rescheduled because of... Uh, uh, you know, some weather event that happened, and it wound up being rescheduled on St. Patrick's Day. So all these kids <laughs> nice. came in wearing green for St. Patrick's Day, and they showed some They're of the all photos, floating heads. and they were all floating <laughs> oh, heads. It was awesome. Just, it was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, but uh, anyway, thank you guys for being here for uh, this program, Smoking and Toasting number 277. Coming up next week on 278, I'm proud to announce that David Schroeder with Guinness will be joining oh, us Oh, that would be so program. fun. Yeah, this is something we've been trying to get together for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. We were trying to get it together for St. Patrick's Day, but, you know, that's that's got to be his, yeah, yeah. No, his, I think he his was Super Bowl of days. I think he was you know? busy on that. Guinness is a company that's so creative. They know that St. Patrick's Day is their, by far their biggest Yeah, day. yeah, 100%. They probably sell more Guinness on St. Patrick's Day than, like, in July. Right. You know what I mean? So they come up with this wonderful, brilliant idea and it's called, and I'm not kidding, Halfway to St. Patrick's Day. Right. And they do these Halfway to St. Patrick's Day uh, parties all over the country at the exact halfway point between 
We this remember year, seeing like Day and they the used to have the, the time clocks yep. that were the countdown to St. Patrick's Day mm-hmm. that you'd see at the uh, pubs, which is way more fun than the debt clock, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> Let's not way even go there. Fun. Wait, wait, then the death clock? No, the debt, debt, the debt clock. Oh, the debt clock. The one okay. In New York. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Ugh. Sorry, yeah. I thought you said death clock. They're awesome. Yeah. Well, he's, he's <laughs> Unless awesome. it's yours. It's Brendan Smalls. <laughs> what, oh, I, I thought maybe it was the I'm talking Reaper about the band little, death uh, clock. You, oh, okay. You've oh, seen, you've seen uh, uh, Metalocalypse, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So Brendan Smalls does all the music, and then he puts together a band called Death Clock, because that's the name of the band on the show, and then they tour. But that, that band's awesome. Mm. Well, I appreciate the uh, death clock reference. I appreciate you for being here, Trenton. And Alan, thank you for... Uh, thanks for uh, uh, pinch hitting last week. Absolutely. And thank you for letting us be here at the uh, Galveston Island Cigar Lounge this week. Thanks to Adam on the Wheels of Steel. And, of Ooh, course, uh, Doug, who is our incoming producer, who's out here with us as well. Uh, thanks to Mary for putting it all together. And thank you for watching Smoking and Toasting. We'll be back next week. Until we meet again, my friends. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. That's the only time I ever say y'all is on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you got to just... Gotta work it in your natural repertoire.